What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani. We have right here on the line a very special guest. This is a man who is a Hall of Fame historian, a Yankees historian. He's literally written the book on Yankees history, the author of the New York Yankees all-time all-stars. We are talking to esteemed baseball writer and our good friend, James Griffin. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. New York Zone, how's everything going? Doing just fine, Fred. Thanks for having me again to do this. Always look forward to the Hall of Fame chat. Before we dive into the Hall of Fame discussion, can you just recap the the Yankees as you saw them in 2022? The story of the 2022 Yankees, it starts and ends with Aaron Judge. I mean, he's the story, right? So it's uh, it was a little bit nerve-wracking as a Yankee fan to see them kind of toying with their their star player, who's clearly the whole franchise right now, uh, low-balling him before the season starts. I know it's tough to call a, a 200 plus million dollar offer, offer a low ball, but if you look at the market, I mean, and then and then the season that Aaron Judge had, it was a huge low ball. And um, it's interesting because the Yankees, they probably could have gotten that deal done for, let's say, a hundred million dollars less than what they ultimately signed him for, you know, this past winter. Um, but no, they, they kind of, they stuck to their guns. And uh, they really paid the price for it because, yeah, Aaron Judge, season for the ages. When you think of all-time great offensive seasons, Judge is right there. I mean, he's that, that's got to be a top five all-time season as far as not just the home runs, which is obviously the big story, but, um, you know, everything. Getting on base, batting average, um, being a team leader, being a team, you know, that that led he, – he, without Aaron Judge, the Yankees don't make the playoffs, you know. Um, he was uh, absolutely the MVP. He deservedly won that. Um, and, you know, as a Yankee fan, I look forward to more MVP seasons from him. And, yeah, will the Yankees be kicking themselves in the long run when he's 36, 37, 38 years old? Maybe. As a fan, I don't care. <laughs> you know, Aaron Judge is back, and he's with the Yankees, and that's the way it should have been from the get-go. And he's a captain. You know, he gets to follow in line with a, a guy that he followed as a young kid in Derek Jeter. Um, you know, Don Mattingly before him, Willie Randolph, Ron Gittery, Thurman Munson. It's uh, it's a good club to be in for Aaron Judge, and he absolutely deserves it. And um, when it comes to the Yankees in general, you know, heading into 2023, again, they they could have 100 plus million more dollars to spend. And, uh, you know, no matter what they do in terms of payroll, the Yankees could always spend more, even though they act like they can't. Um, but this season, I mean, it's great that they re-signed Judge, and they also – had a surprise move in signing Carlos Rodon, but uh, what else did they do? I mean, nothing really. And they were looking at question marks at shortstop, third base, left field, and even catcher. They really could have used an upgrade, and they did none of that. Um, and then when it comes to the bullpen as well, you know, they they really didn't do much to upgrade the bullpen. So looking ahead to 2023, um, yeah, they'll be a playoff team for sure. Um, our are they on par with the Astros now? Absolutely not. They're they're still certainly behind the Astros, if not a couple other teams in the AL. Um, but you know what? Judge is back, so I'm happy. I can't complain too much. I do hear some critics say, well, hey, this is a great deal and everything, especially for Judge. But, you know, what are the chances of him producing another season like this? You know, highly unlikely. So what do you say to kind of those detractors that say, okay, like, it's great he got his money, but is this really a great deal for the Yankees over the long haul? Yeah, it's, it's a fair point, uh, but at the same time, the the economics in baseball are kind of warped. So when players first come up, you know, they're making, again, it's a, it's a salary that you and I would probably drool over, but they're making 
less than a million dollars a year. You know, for a couple of years, Aaron Judge was making maybe half a million. He was almost MVP in 2017. I think he made $600,000 that year, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so what was he actually worth that season? He was probably worth, I don't know, 30 million, maybe more if he was on the free market. So the Yankees got a nice six-year run at a judge where they paid him at a price that was well below market value. So now they're going to have to pay him a few years in the back end that's above market value. Um, I'm not I'm not going to feel bad for the Yankees or any team that gives a guy, uh, you know, a long-term contract because they've probably benefited for it up front with some of their younger guys. So it's the warped situation in baseball. It is what it is. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to complain about it. And I get the point, but you know, when you see the full picture, it, it makes sense. I, I totally agree. Now let's get to the hall of fame. My friend, every year we have this discussion, one of my, my favorite parts of, of TSC programming. And it, 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 it is interesting. We've beaten this dead horse over and over again, but let's lead off with this. Bonds, Clemens, what the hell is going on? Do you see their luck improving anytime soon? It was interesting. You know, I, I was actually happy this year because this is the first year that we speak about this. We don't have to to talk about the, the elephant in the room as far as steroids and Bonds and Clemens because they're not on the ballot. But yeah. they actually were on the ballot um, for the Veterans Committee this year, which was a very strange move by MLB. I mean, I'm with you, Fred. Uh, they should be in the Hall of Fame. They're two of the greatest players of all time. Um, even before steroids, they were great. After steroids, they were great. Um, are they saints? No, they're, they're not the best people on earth, but the Hall of Fame is chock full of people who are, are not the best. Um, but the interesting choice by MLB, or the, the Hall of Fame rather, to put them on the Veterans Committee ballot one year after they're no longer on the BBWA, WAA ballot, it's curious because it's never happened before. Usually Veterans Committees are for guys who had their chance with the baseball writers, you wait a period of, I don't know, five to 10 years, and then you give them another chance with the Veterans Committee. They did it right away. They had they had one year to, for, for the veterans to think about it. And surprise, surprise, the, the Veterans Committee did not vote them in, which, um, you know, it's it's sad, but it was, you could see it coming. I mean, they, were, they weren't gonna get them in right away. I think the best shot for Bonds and Clemens is let's give it another, I don't know, 10 years. And if they get back on a, a Veterans Committee ballot by that point, I think enough time as far as the steroid era will have lapsed where, you know, people can see it for what it is. It's just another era in baseball that was unfortunate, but it happened. <laughs> and um, the great players in the area that, that played in it deserve to be to be noticed because they were truly great players. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of unfortunate that it continues to be a story because it kind of detracts from all the other good stuff in baseball. But um, you know what? I think they will get their due someday, um, but don't hold your breath. It's not going to be anytime soon, but you know what? I'll, I'll be happy when they do actually make it in because the hall of fame, the hall of fame will be more complete at that point. So it's um, it'll be truly telling the story of baseball. And you know, if, when dads take their kids or moms take their kids to the Hall of Fame, they can say, look, this was Roger Clemens. This is Barry Bonds. They were they were not nice guys and they cheated, but they were really, really good. So don't cheat, but <laughs> you can be a great baseball player like these these guys were someday and learn from their mistakes. It's, it's a learning experience. So um, I think we'll get there eventually. Scott Rowland, would you say he's probably the best case this year? Yeah, I would agree. So Scott Rowland, probably of all the guys, he's not a slam dunk. Uh, there's no slam dunks on the ballot this year, but of all the guys on the ballot this year, he's got the best shot, Scott Rowland. 
Um, he has been, this is his sixth year on the ballot. Uh, right now, he's trending around 80% of the public, the votes that have been made public, and that's around a third of the votes have been uh, been made public, which is good. Um, you know, typically the, the people that don't make their votes public tend to not vote for guys like Scott Rowland, who are not slam dunks, but um, he'll need a little help towards the end here as, as more votes come in. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to Scott Rowland, he was a certainly a great player, certainly deserving of the Hall of Fame. And his position, too. So third base, there's only 17 third basemen in the Hall of Fame. It's the most underrepresented position in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I think he's a welcome addition because when you put him in the context, and, and this year as I'm looking at the ballot, I'm, I'm trying to put these guys in context of where do they sit historically with all the rest of you know the baseball players over the last 150 years or so. And objectively, Scott Rowland is a top 10 third baseman all time. Um, and there's there's really – not too much debate about that. Yeah, was was he a bit injury prone? Sure. Um, but the guy got it done no matter where he went. He had no weaknesses as a player. Great fielder, uh, really good hitter, hit for power, hit for average, could get on base. Um, and then he, he had postseason success too, uh, no matter where he went. So, you know, starting with the Phillies, he didn't get a chance with the Phillies at first. Um, but going to St. Louis in the 2006 World Series, he dominated that World Series. He didn't win MVP because he was on a team with Albert Pujols, which is understandable. But um, he had a great series in 2006 with the Cardinals. And then even when he moved on from there, he with the Cincinnati Reds, he made the, he led the Reds to the playoffs one year. And uh, you just really can't poke many holes outside of maybe being injury prone uh, for Scott Rowland. So, yeah, I think he, he eventually will get in, if not this year, certainly within the next year or two. Um, but, yeah, without a doubt, he's the best shot if we're going to see somebody get in this year. Kind of surprised me to see it on some people's ballots here. Carlos Beltran, uh, Andy Pettit, and Gary Sheffield. Would it boggle your mind to kind of see these guys? Yeah, I, it would boggle my mind if they got in, honestly. Um, because so that we, we talked about steroid controversy, Bonds and Clemens, and, you know, Sheffield, Pettit, they kind of fit that mold too. They were right in that same era, you know, they're on the same list, Mitchell Report, whatever it was. Uh, Manny Ramirez too, you could throw him in there. But those guys, they're firmly stuck in limbo. Um, so especially, you know, Manny and Sheffield, they're getting towards the end of their eligibility here. And I think it's pretty clear that they will not get in uh, with the writers. You know, Bonds and Clemens didn't get in. They're not going to get in either. Um, and same with Pettit. You know, he his case is is less of a slam dunk. You know, without steroids, Manny's absolutely a Hall of Famer. Um, Sheffield probably too. But Pettit was, you know, not as dominant as those guys. Um but yeah, I think there's zero path for those guys to get in via the baseball writers. Um, but you mentioned Beltran. And so, you know, I thought we were done with steroid controversy because Bonds and Clemens coming off. Obviously, we still have a little bit with the other guys, but we have brand new controversies. So <laughs> we have Carlos Beltran, who's brand new to the ballot this year. And so his brand of controversy has nothing to do with steroids, but it has everything to do with the cheating scandal back in 2017 with the Astros. And it's uh, it's an interesting case because Beltran. Let's let's take the cheating out of it for a minute. I'll get I'll get back to that. But as a player, uh, Beltran absolutely an all time great. I mean, he as a center fielder and then a corner outfielder later in his career uh, played for a real long time. Played for twenty years and similar to Scott Rowland, no weaknesses in the guy's game. Uh, Beltran can literally do everything. Switch hitter had speed had power could hit for average as a fielder. He was fantastic. Uh, the only thing that he suffered from was the disease of making it look too easy. 
he didn't he didn't see highlight plays with Beltran because he didn't have to make highlight plays. He just was always in the right place at the right time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he suffers from that for for a number. He 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 has all the attributes that are that are tough to kind of make somebody a slam dunk. He he wasn't absolutely great at any one thing. He was just really really good at a lot of things, and that that tends to get overshadowed. You add to that, he played for probably six or seven teams, and that tends to make guys a little bit overshadowed because you see him jumping around. Um, if you play for one team, that tends to, to catch people's attention a little bit more. Um, but also similar to Roland at his position, uh, Beltran, top 10 center fielder for sure. Um, and, yeah, so based on what he did on the field alone, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, right now, his first ballot, he's tracking between 55 and 60% of the vote, which I was actually surprised with because of the controversy that comes with him. And that's the cheating scandal with the, Astro, uh, the Astros. So if you read all the stories about him, he was the mastermind of that whole cheating scandal. And, you know, they say that um, he pressured guys to, to do it. And, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, now, let's think of it this way. Is Carlos Beltran the first guy ever to come up with a cheating system in baseball? He'd be extremely naive to think that he was. Um, now, he got caught because we live in the age of information where, you know, you look at your phone every five seconds, you're going to get a new piece of information. And obviously, the, the story came out, and it's unfortunate for Beltran. I mean, I, I certainly don't condone what he did. Um, but I, if if you were to get voted into the Hall of Fame, and I think he's a Hall of Famer, he would be far from the worst character in the Hall of Fame. And what he did is certainly not as egregious as what others have done, certainly in the first 50 years of, of baseball history, just look back at some of the guys who were in there and you'll cringe. You know? <laughs> so I think uh, Beltran is a really interesting case. Um, so it's, it's a new brand of controversy. I'll, I'll welcome that. <laughs> I'll welcome not beating the steroids uh, horse to death. Although there's one more guy who we'll have to talk about where steroids come in, um, but he's another interesting case. But yeah, I think Beltran, he is a Hall of Famer and I think he will get in, not this year, uh, probably within the next five years, I think we'll see him as a as a Hall of Famer. Is it safe to kind of write off Kurt Schilling for the foreseeable future? I mean, I, I don't I don't want to get on a soapbox here about this guy, but you know, there's there's a reason that he's not on a lot of people's ballots and not at the top of mind of anybody right now. Yeah, in a word, yes. <laughs> let's let's write off Kurt Schilling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, on a lighter note, there are obviously a number of other guys you, you could put on your ballot if you were voting for the Hall of Fame. Who are some other people that we haven't mentioned that you think should get some love this year? Yeah, so let's uh, let's stay with the controversy for a minute because um, I think there's there's one more guy, kind of another elephant in the room we have to address. So A-Rod, he was a newcomer to the the ballot last year, and A-Rod, while he is a steroid controversy, he is his own brand of steroid controversy. There's nobody that's not ever been a candidate like A-Rod. So you know he he has his steroids history. Um, for a time, it was the same trajectory as Roger Clemens and Gary Sheffield and Barry Bonds. He was on the uh, what should have been uh, the survey testing that shouldn't have been released back in 2003. He tested positive on that. It came out years later that he was on that list. And then we thought it was a done deal. He's done with steroids. It came out later that he was not done with steroids. He had a whole scandal with uh, some shady clinic down in Florida. Um, had a really highly publicized fight with not just the Yankees, but also major league baseball over it. Um, earned himself the longest suspension of all time over it. <laughs> um, so he, he's interesting because after all that, 
A-Rod didn't about face and he apologized for the whole thing. And he, as far as, you know, I don't know what school he went to to kind of put his character back together, but he deserves an A plus for doing that because he has convinced major league baseball. that It's okay for him to be on broadcast. He's on every ESPN broadcast you see. Um, he's absolutely still a baseball personality. He's involved with the game every day. You know, you'll see something about A-Rod and, and his takes on baseball, which is, I mean, honestly, it's impressive that he was able to do that. Um, is he maybe not the greatest guy in the world? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. He, you know, for a period of 15 years plus, he, um, he did a lot of damage and, you know, he, uh, he deserved all the flack that he got as a result of that. But, um, you know, when it comes to his Hall of Fame resume outside of the controversy, much like Barry, like Barry Bonds, he he's a Hall of Famer two times over. You know, you, you cut his career in half and he's two Hall of Famers. So, yeah, he deserves to get in. And as it stands right now, he's around 40 percent of the votes that have come in, which is actually a very similar kind of uh, path that both Bond and Clemens had. So I think even though his his case is a little bit different because of what he did afterwards, unlike Clemens and Bonds, he he went in the apology tour. The voting seems like it's similar to Bonds and Clemens, but it's going to be a really fascinating thing to see over the next five, six, seven years that he's going to be remain on the ballot. Will he get over the hump? Because in year 10 with Bonds and Clemens, they hit, I think, around 68%. You need 75 to get in. They hit around 68, 69%. Can A-Rod find that extra 5 to 7% to uh, to get in via the writers? I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see. It won't be this year, but it's going to be a, a really cool thing to track, and I'm sure we'll talk about it for years to come. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't go as far as to say to become in, like, you know, the Charles Barkley of, of the ML, of MLB, you know, TV programming and everything. I mean, maybe Big Poppy would probably be more, kind of more on that side of things, but he's got a great chemistry with these guys, and he mentioned like, he just he totally rehabbed his image, turned the, the, his whole public image around. He was even on Shark Tank. I mean, like this guy is, yeah. I don't know. Whoever is like PR manager is, this crisis manager is, deserves like a raise like a hundred times over. He's, he's done a, a tremendous job. Now, moving away from that controversy and everything, who are some less problematic people that we should keep an eye out for? Yeah, so I think there's really two groups of the guys left who we haven't really talked about. There's there's guys that have a realistic shot. Um, and certainly not this year, but, but guys who I think we should keep our eyes on over the next few years to see if they sneak in via the writers. Um, we'll start with Todd Helton. We talked about him over the past couple of years. Um, also suffers from the fact that he played his entire career in Colorado. But Todd Helton, as a first baseman, you know, you think of a first baseman in Colorado as a slugger. He, for a, a good chunk of his career, he hit a fair amount of home runs. But his game was not reliant on home runs. So even though he played in Colorado, it's not like that to find him because over the back half of his career, he hit fewer and fewer in home runs, but he remained a very useful and even good player for, for a lot of his career because he was really good in the field, um, could get on base with the best of them. And right now he's uh, he's just behind Roland as far as the voting goes. And he's around that 80% mark and he's going to need some help to, to get on it this year. I don't think it's going to happen, but... It's only his fifth year of eligibility, so I think give him some time and he's he's going to be up there. And I was talking about, you know, putting these guys in historical context. I think he's a top 15 first baseman all time, uh, right in between William McCovey and Eddie Murray, who are two slam dunk Hall of Famers. Todd Helton's right there. So I think uh, we'll, we'll see him get in in the next couple of years. Um, after him, uh, Billy Wagner is another name who's gaining a lot of steam. 
He's over 70% of the public votes right now. Uh, he only has two years left of eligibility, so it's going to be, you know, a race to the finish for him. Um, but, you know, top 10 closer of all time, Billy Wagner, absolutely. Even though his career was pretty short, he pitched less than 1,000 innings, which really hurts his case, I think. But in those 1,000 innings or so, he was one of the best relievers in baseball for a long time. And um, he certainly would not be the worst closer in the Hall of Fame if he were to be voted in. So I think he's another one to keep our eyes on. Um, Andrew Jones is another one. Um, as far as great center fielders, he's right behind Beltran in historical context. The only people above him on the on the list of center fielders, I think, that are not in the Hall of Fame would be um, like Kenny Lofton, who uh, talk about being, you know, snubbed on the Hall of Fame vote. Kenny Lofton is a whole other case that maybe we can get to in years to come when, he, when he's back in the veterans ballot. But um, Kenny Lofton and Mike Trout, who, you know, if, if you could put active players in the Hall of Fame, Trout would already be in. So, you know, Andrew Jones is really good too. Um, kind of falter at the end of his career, which hurts him. But, um, you know, hit over 400 home runs, great defensive center fielder. And then the, the last hurrah for this guy, Jeff Kent, uh, who was on his – last year of eligibility. Um, I don't think he's going to get in via the writers, but he's a guy who I could see getting in the first time he's on a veterans committee ballot. He'll, he'll probably get in there. Um, he, he's an interesting case because when you think of, you know, when guys are playing like, Oh, that guy will go in the hall of fame someday. A lot of people thought that about Jeff Kent, but when you look at his career afterwards, it's kind of like, well, maybe he wasn't quite as good as we thought, um, you know, in the field, he, he was not a great, fielding second baseman. Um, he didn't draw a lot of walks. So offensively, he was really reliant on hitting home runs for, for his offensive production. And that kind of tapered off towards the end of his career. Um, but I, I think Jeff Kent will eventually get in. But I think those that's a crop of guys who, who have a realistic shot of one day making it in, if, if not this year. And then of the other guys, I'll just mention two more who they're kind of in limbo and they'll be on the ballot for, for years to come. Um, but I live in the Philadelphia area, so I I obviously follow the Phillies a little bit too. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan at heart, but I'll, I'll follow the Phillies because they're in the National League. But two guys that I saw for most of their careers, one is Bobby Abreu and the other is Jimmy Rollins. So um, I don't think they're going to get in via the writers. They're kind of, they're going to be stuck in that 10 to 20% of the vote for the, the entirety of their eligibility. But Bobby Abreu was really a great player um, in an historical context. I have him right in between Dave Winfield and Vladimir Guerrero, two Hall of Famers. Uh, similar to Roland and Beltran, um, Abreu didn't have a weakness to his game. Uh, he he did everything really well. wasn't wasn't a virtuoso at any one thing, but he could hit some home runs. He could steal bases. He was a good fielder. He was a good base runner, um, and you know he was on some successful teams. So I I think what he suffered from is people thought he he lacked effort. I don't believe that. If if you're doing if you're having seasons where you're hitting 30 home runs and stealing 30 bases, I don't think you lack effort. I think <laughs> maybe you're blessed with the ability to make things look easy, much like Carlos Beltran. Um, and then Jimmy Rollins, uh, this is only his second year on the ballot. Um, but he was also, he was a great player with the first half of his career. Uh, won an MVP, you know, won a World Series with the Phillies. Uh, but the thing with Rollins is once at the back half of his career, he suffered from a lot of leg injuries in the middle of his career. I think it sapped his speed, and that really hurt him over the back half. Um, became much less of a fielder, couldn't steal as many bases. Um, he used to be a triples machine, hit very much fewer triples over the, the back half of his career. Um, but those are two guys that I think should get more consideration for the Hall of Fame, but they're kind of stuck in limbo. 
Um, and I would love to see a brave and Rollins maybe eventually make it in via veterans committee. But I think, uh, I think that just about exhausts all the names that I could potentially see getting in that are on the ballot this year. Fantastic analysis. Uh, as always, Jim, I can hear you talk, talk baseball all day. I've, I've read, uh, about some of your thoughts on, on baseball, of course, with the New York Yankees all-time all-stars, the best players at each position for the Bronx Bombers, available wherever you get your books, including Amazon.com. Can you tell us a little bit about that book for anybody that hasn't checked it out yet? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, the the title is kind of self-explanatory. It's a, an all-star, all-time all-star team of Yankees. So I basically just I took all the the Yankees throughout history, ranked them by position, and I took the best at each position. And I created an all-star team with them. I even put them into a, a lineup. There's a fun little exercise as far as lineup creation in the book. But it's really, it's mini biographies about all these great players throughout Yankee history, um, why I think they're the greatest in Yankee history. And, and you'll find out some interesting stuff about these characters because uh, they, they truly are characters um, in the book. Is there any one or two bold MLB season predictions that you have? Maybe not necessarily who wins the World Series or anything like that, but could be rule changes, could be TV rights, anything that's at the top of mind that you'd like to see or think that we will see? Not a terribly bold prediction, but I think um, it's it's a controversial thing these days in Major League Baseball as far as the rules changes. And um, I think the banning of the shift, while in, in theory I don't agree with it, I think managers should be able to do whatever they want to do. But I think the banning of the shift is actually going to help baseball quite a bit because – I think the purpose of it, if I understand correctly, for Major League Baseball is they want to have more, more plays in action, more, more hits, and not just home runs, not just walks, not just strikeouts. And by forcing players to be in a certain spot on the field, we're going to see more hits in Major League Baseball, which means a couple of things. But I think most importantly, we'll see more extra base hits, not just home runs, but doubles and triples. And the triple is the most exciting play in baseball. So we'll see more triples as a result of this. We'll also see more base runners, which means we'll get more action on the bases. We'll see, you know, close plays at second base, close plays at third, even close plays at home. All the things that make baseball really exciting when they happen, I think we're going to see more of that. So if that is what happens, and I think it will, uh, I think it's a good thing for baseball. So even if I don't agree with it in principle, if it makes baseball more fun for more people to watch, I'm all for it. Thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Again, the New York Yankees all-time all-stars available wherever you get your books, including, of course, Amazon.com. We'll include a link in our show notes. Anywhere else we can find you, Jim, online and next? Yeah, so I have a blog that I, I contribute to regularly. I'll be adding some Hall of Fame information. I like to do a review of all the former Yankees in the Hall of Fame ballot, so I'll be doing that this year. And that's on my blog. It's called Jimmy Says. It's uh, jimmysaysblog.blogspot.com. And uh, yeah, I always chime in with my thoughts on the Yankees and anything else that enters my brain, I'll, uh, I'll post about on there so you can check out my content there.